0: Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Text for our meditation this evening, as we remember and commemorate St. James the Elder, St. James the Great, the Gospel reading from Mark 10 that we heard just a few moments ago. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to Jesus and said to him teacher we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you and he said to them what do you want me to do for you and they said to him grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory so far our text dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus called 12 disciples. He called the 12 disciples to him. And for three years, they walked with him. They talked with him. They sat at his feet. They witnessed not only his teaching, but his miracles. These disciples, in a sense, were attending a traveling seminary with Jesus as their rabbi and Jesus as their teacher. They saw amazing things. And from early on, Jesus had sort of an inner circle of disciples. Three disciples that had an opportunity, had a chance to witness certain things that the other nine didn't. Many times, Peter, James, and John are pulled apart from the 12, and they have an opportunity to see firsthand Jesus at work. Now, can you imagine what must have been going on in the minds and hearts and egos of Peter, James and John? Do you think maybe they started to be full of themselves? Get puffed up with pride? We must be special. We must be special because we get to do things that the other disciples don't get to do. It's only natural that their pride and their ego would start to grow. We pick up toward the end of Mark chapter 10 with this Odd, strange request from James and John the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder it's always helpful to look at the verses before and after to get a context of what's going on. In chapter 9 of the Gospel of Mark Jesus is transfigured. You may remember that Jesus is transfigured, a metamorphosis of such, where his face, his hair, even his glo- clothes glows like the sun. He gives a glimpse of his glory, as we confessed just a few moments ago. God of God, Light of Light. Jesus gives a glimpse of glory. And who does he give this glimpse of glory to? Well, guess who's there? James and John and Peter. The inner circle get to witness this transfiguration of Jesus. Jesus in chapter 9 continues to do what Jesus has been doing healing the sick driving out demons, teaching truths from the Word of God. And continually, He tells the disciples what lies ahead. He, Jesus, the Son of Man, will go to Jerusalem. He will be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He will be mocked. He will be crucified. He will die. And on the third day, He will rise from the dead. The disciples hear this. And what do they think? Right smack dab in the middle of Mark chapter 9. As they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing or arguing about on the way? But the disciples kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all and he took up a little child and put him in the midst of them and taking them in his arms he said to them whoever receives one such child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives not me but he who sent me Jesus has been dealing with this ego trip with all the disciples they all wanted to be the greatest Of the disciples Jesus keeps on teaching he continues in chapter 10 words that we hear every time we have a baptism here let the little children come to me do not hinder them for whoever does not receive the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven like a little child will not enter it teaching them to humble themselves teaching them to be servants not only in their actions, but also in their heart. A rich young man comes to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Keep the commandments perfectly. Give all that you have to the poor. Follow me. And he went away sad because he was very wealthy. After this, Jesus again predicts his death and resurrection, teaching them why he has come. He has come to be a servant. He has come to be a slave. He has come to offer himself as the once for all bloody sacrifice for all sin and for all time. And what do James and John Ask of Jesus after they've heard this this marvelous prediction of Jesus' death and burial. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said, Do for us whatever we ask of you. My friends, how easy it is to be consumed with the ways of the world. How easy it is to fixate on power, and might, and glory, and prestige. After constant teaching, day after day, week after week, month after month, the disciples were still worried about who would be the greatest of the disciples. Who would have the longest-lasting legacy? And so Peter and James, or James and John, like two little kids fighting over who gets to sit in the front seat with mom or dad, who calls shotgun first, James and John want to beat the other disciples to the punch. Do for us whatever we ask, Jesus. What do you want? Well, When you come into your glory, when you come into your glory and you are ruler of all, can one of us be vice president and the other one be secretary of state? When you come into your glory, can one of us be on your right and on your left? Jesus says you don't know what you're asking for to sit at my right and my left is not for me to say the Father in heaven has determined that but if you want to follow me if you want to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with if you want to share in my glory oh yeah it's coming it's coming Big time. The other disciples heard what was going on. Hello? Hello? We're right here. Now the fight is growing. The dissension and the egos are battling back and forth. Remember there's an inner three. Peter, James, and John. Can you imagine how Peter must have felt? He was really left out by the James and John coup. But Jesus teaches them and he teaches us. Verse 42 and following. Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles Lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus himself, came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is not teaching us the theory or the principles for Christian leadership. Jesus is not giving us a multi-step program for how to be a humble person or a humble leader. Jesus is not giving theory. Jesus is not teaching business or marketing principles. Jesus is teaching the kingdom of God. Jesus is teaching that the way the world works, authority, a constant gain for authority, money, power, prestige, this is so often the way of the world. Do not fall for that lie. Do not fall for that trap. No. The kingdom of God is about service and humility and slavery. Jesus doesn't just talk about Jesus puts these words into action. Jesus doesn't come so that people can gather around him and tell him how great he is and give money to his next election campaign so that he can stay in power. Jesus has come. He who has ultimate authority, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The second person of the Trinity humbles himself, he takes on flesh and blood, he places himself under God's law, the harsh condemning law, and he fulfills it. Not only does he fulfill the law, but he takes all of our transgression against the law, all of our sins of pride and arrogance, every time we have abused authority in the world, in our families, in the church. He takes all of our sin of thought, word, and deed into himself, and like a slave, a slave to sin, carrying the sin of the world, yours, mine, and everyone's, onto himself to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying. Paying the penalty and the payment we deserve. And he does this once and for all. God's word teaches us that the glory of Jesus is his naked body nailed to a cross bleeding and dying for the sin of the world. This is Jesus being glorified for the whole world to see. And who sits at his right and left when Jesus comes into his glory? Well, in one sense, no one sits. But there are two who are there, one on his left and one on his right. Two murderers. Two convicted felons. One who is crucified on his left and one who is crucified on his right. Two who have been rightly accused and condemned by the law. Two who are bleeding and dying alongside of Jesus. One who mocks and ridicules Jesus even as the lifeblood flows out of him. And another Who looks at Jesus and says. Jesus. Lord. Remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Remember me. When you enter into your glory. You are who you say you are. The Messiah. The Christ. The Savior of the world. I don't know how. But I know that you are. Remember me, a poor, miserable sinner. Remember what Jesus tells him? I say unto you, today you will be with me in paradise. My friends, Jesus says the same thing to us. We, who will humble ourselves before the word of God, We who will admit who we are and what we are. Poor, miserable sinners deserving of death and hell and damnation. Clinging to our only hope. The only hope for sinners like us. The crucified Jesus Christ. Jesus looks at you and says, Today. Right now. You will be with me in paradise. My friends, Jesus died once and for all on that Friday we call good. But Jesus does not stay dead. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead, never to die again. Jesus conquers sin, death, and the grave for you. Jesus delivers his Good Friday death and his Easter resurrection to you in the waters of holy baptism he robes you with his perfection with his righteousness and in this new life in this new freedom that we have Jesus says you don't have to be the way the world is Hungering and thirsting and lusting over power and authority. No, I have set you free. Set you free to live and to love and to serve. To serve one another as I have served you. My friends, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Make you rich? Win the lottery? Take away your, your, your cancer or your heart disease? What do you want Jesus to do for you? Make you a little more popular with the rest of the kids? Help you get better grades? Get that big promotion at work? Retire early? And retire well? What do you want Jesus to do for you? My friends, all of those things are temporal things. These are the things that we think are so important. What Jesus has done for you is the greatest thing that the world has ever seen. He has offered Himself as a sacrifice and payment for your sin. He has taken your sin and put it as far as the east is from the west. He has given you forgiveness, life, and salvation. The greatest of all has become the least. And now he looks at us, poor miserable sinners, and he says, in me. You are great. My friends, you are great. Not because of anything that you've done or said or paid or prayed. You are great because your sins are forgiven. Your name is written in the book of life. The servant of all, Jesus, has given himself for you. There is no greater gift in the entire world. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our humility, and our pride in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We sing the offertory. Please stand.